Welcome to Group Talk. Four shows, one podcast from the Small Group Network focusing on topics relevant to small group ministries. Whether you're in a church of 100 or 10,000, whether you're a volunteer or staff, we want to support, encourage, and equip you to lead well. So relax, listen, and enjoy Here to There with Carolyn Picata. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us for Here to There, where we explore movement from our present reality to the preferred future that God has for us. Well, this month, Small Group Network experienced a major transition. Derek Olson, who was our network pastor of development for several years, and he did a wonderful job, has now moved to the Pacific Northwest, the Seattle area, to be closer to extended family. And thankfully, he's going to keep being involved in the network as our communications director, and he's going to keep doing the podcast with Steve. Um, but we are excited to announce that we have a new small group network pastor of development, James Browning. James, thanks so much for being on the program. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Well, James joins us uh, with over 10 years of marketing and digital evangelism experience, both in the church and also in the corporate space. And I want to unpack that later because it's so interesting. Um, he's married to his wife, Hannah, and they have two daughters, Eliza and Eleanor. And he, he told me a secret about his marriage to Hannah. And I thought it was so precious because I think a lot of uh, husbands can relate <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm by nature not a very emotional person. This is great uh, if you want to give me constructive criticism. <laughs> uh, but it, when you're in an emotional relationship like a marriage or family, uh, that can be challenging. So I married my wife so she could have the feelings so I wouldn't have to. Yeah, and that, I'm sure that's working out really great. We'll have to ask Hannah how that's going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you're still married, so it's a good sign. Um, well, I had the opportunity to meet you, James, along with others um, on the small group network leadership team when we did a Zoom interview. And I kind of felt a little bit sorry for you because here you were on the screen with like six strangers and we're all firing questions at you. And you did such a great job answering them, sharing your heart, talking about your journey with God and with, um, you know, the, the different gifts and talents that you have. And so um, I wanted to have this conversation just to kind of introduce you to our group talk listeners, because um, you're here to serve them and to serve our small group point people. And so I wanted to give them a chance to hear your story, hear your heart and your vision for the network. So let's start with um, your background. So if someone was going to make a movie of your life, this is James's life, what would be the highlights of that movie? So the highlights are uh, like Steve, I grew up in Ohio which I'm not sure anyone's ever called the greatest state in the <laughs> union, but it it's a state in the yeah. union. But no, I grew up in Ohio. I grew up in a log cabin in the woods, out in the middle of nowhere kind of thing. I, but went to, if you're a football fan, I went to a kind of large, mid, middle large Baptist church in Canton, Ohio. Okay. Uh, and uh, they were, and still are, I think to some degree, uh, very gifted in teaching. I believe churches, like people, have unique gifts mm -hmm. and complementary gifts that serve their community uniquely. Yeah. And their gift was teaching. Their their volunteers, their Sunday school teachers, their lay leaders were all very gifted in teaching. And because of that, uh, I really kind of had the opportunity to develop and and identify my own giftedness mm -hmm. in teaching. I wanted God to call me to be a missionary. Like mm -hmm. I wanted that, but I knew that I was not called to be a missionary. I, and <laughs> um, a lot of people talk about, you know, you hear all these 
story as well. Like, oh, I didn't want to go to right. Typically, Siberia that's the that's the direction you hear yeah. the story. <laughs> no, I was like, I'll sit wherever you want to go. God, let's go Mars. I'm there. Um, <laughs> but uh, I was like, no, you're not a missionary. Probably because he knows I'm not an emotionally relational creature. <laughs> and yet, and but, yet, he's sending you. He has sent you to to Southern California and actually a global ministry that actually has a yeah. very missional component, but is highly relational. So this will be interesting. Yeah, well, you're you're really gonna start to question things here in a second <laughs> because I I realize well you know I'm I'm working now I'm not in school at the moment um, I'm a I'm an adult I can do whatever I want at this point obviously there's consequences for your choices and you can't just you know do whatever but I'm free to make any choice I wanted and I can move to another country tomorrow if I wanted to so I did. Um, nice. I <laughs> uh, thought, well, maybe uh, because I'm gifted in teaching, maybe because I care about missions, I should go into academia and become like a professor, Bible professor, missions professor, something like that. And if that's what I've, I'm going to do, I should know a little bit about it. So I moved to Guatemala uh, for a year, worked with a church plant, mm -hmm. learned Spanish, um, got involved in that and uh, loved it. Hmm. And really did transform my life. Like I said, I grew up in in a Baptist right. church in Ohio. It was fairly uh, conservative. It was a KJV only church. <laughs> wow. And, um, yeah, and and you're uh, not that old, moved. so this is that that's pretty. Yeah, and so then I moved to Guatemala, and the host family that I lived with there were uh, Pentecostal Mennonite pastors, a husband and wife team. That's so great. And I, I didn't even know that was a co possible combo. Like I had grown up in Ohio, so Mennonite to me was like Amish who wore colors. That was like, <laughs> <laughs> And so here I am, like my bedroom is in the second story of this tiny little church that has like speaking in tongues night every night. And um, wow. like it was as far removed from my experience growing up as possible. I had um, talked to quite a few missionaries and pastors while I was in Guatemala about what I should major in if I'm going to go mm -hmm. to um, become a professor or whatever. And they all said, well, if you're planning on going to seminary, don't major in Bible because you're going to be burnt out on it by the time you get through seminary. Mm. And so I thought, I'll just pick whatever for my undergrad and then do Bible when I get to seminary. And so I picked Spanish because I already knew some Spanish and it, <laughs> it would be easy. Uh, but, it, and it was, um, I got to do a lot of other fun stuff. I uh, did a lot of journalism and film writing and, and all that other kind of thing. Um, and I started uh, what, as far as I know, was the first Spanish language newspaper at a private university in the U.S. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't have any actual statistics on that, but no one told me otherwise. So you're, go, you're going, you're going with I'm it. Going well, with. and Biela is in Orange County, which actually has a, a high um, his, a Hispanic and Spanish-speaking population. Yeah, and um, it really was a unique experience, and I really valued like the cultural diversity that I got mm -hmm. to be around there. Um, even on my my newspaper staff, I think like. Uh, maybe twenty five percent of them were Korean. Anyway, <laughs> so there's a uh, lot, a lot does. of Koreans. I'm Korean American. There's a lot of Koreans at Biola. So yes, that's not surprising. Yeah, 
Biola has the highest percentage of Koreans of any private university in the U.S. It's the Christian, so, the Christian piece, and the Orange County piece, and um, and there's yeah. a lot of churches, Korean churches in Orange County, so that kind of all makes sense. Um, okay, now let's transition. Okay, this movie of your life is getting too long, so so we'll transition <laughs> to your work life. So after you yeah. went to Biola, you served as Spanish church, kind of makes sense um, since you're yeah. majoring in that. So. Well, real quick, um, jumping back, my oh, wife actually, before we were married, um, called me up out of the blue my senior year. Okay. Um, and she was on East Coast time and didn't know I was West Coast. So she called me at like, um, I think 10 in the morning, mm. um, East Coast time, which is seven. And and in college life, seven a.m. is like 3 a.m. Exactly. in real life. <laughs> and so she said, hey, James, this is Hannah. And I hadn't talked to her in four years. And this is at Biola where like 30% of all girls are named Hannah. So <laughs> I was like, hey, Hannah, how's it going? Like hoping to draw, like figure out who this is. Um, but she called, let me know that she had um, become a believer. Wow. And had like through, um, she was just laying there one night and the, like a preacher came on the radio and just had like, again, a very dramatic conversion, which my life has like been surrounded by people with dramatic conversions. Mm -hmm. I was saved at the age of five when I was supposed to be taking a nap hmm. um, and had like the least dramatic. But <laughs> um, so she called me up. She had um, moved back in with her mom, cleaned her life up, gotten sober, Wow, uh, was a radically different, like visibly looked different. Mm. And uh, she had moved back in with her mom and she told me, I don't know if this is true or not, she, but she told me she was, I was the only uh, Christian that mm. she knew who was still fun. <laughs> and so um, she had decided she was going to try to track me down and was telling her mom this. And her mom said, Oh, I think his phone number is still on my whiteboard. <laughs> and like, she had just not erased my phone number from the whiteboard in the four years that like, wow. We had gone, so she called me up and we kind of reconnected. And a few years later, eventually started dating and dated long distance. And wow. um, at the time I was in seminary, I did uh, an internship in Ecuador mm. and while we were dating. And then um, she wound up working with a ministry in a different part of Ecuador out in the jungle near oh, wow. where Jim Elliott and Nate Saint and Elizabeth Elliott and all those people were. And so we only overlapped by like a week. And um, got engaged that Christmas. We both went back home to Ohio that Christmas. I went back to California. She went back to Ecuador. And then we both flew to Ohio in July and got married. And um, so at that point, I was working at a church in Pacific Palisades. Which is a very nice and, area for those who don't know California. <laughs> it's very different <laughs> yeah. than Ecuador. I used to tell, yeah, I used to tell people it was a secret town only rich people knew about. Um, <laughs> Like you would, you would hang out. Like I, Ray Liotta would drop his kids off at our Oana program. Yeah. Um, they had gates on the nursery where my wife worked um, because the one of the Kardashians had run out of the nursery and made it all the way to the parking lot when they were babies. Um, so like that, which is wildly different from the church I was yes. at in undergrad, which was a Spanish speaking church in La Habra, right, which is an <laughs> like, immigrant church. Yeah, yeah, night and day difference. Um, and so I started off with the children's ministry and then moved to missions, uh, missions director at that church. 
And the whole time I'm doing this and in seminary, I'm like, it was part-time at a church, so it wasn't paying Mm -hmm. the bills. I started doing SEO uh, freelance, uh, search engine optimization. Mm -hmm. And part of, I'd kind of gotten started into that and then really saw the value of it with the church one day when I was working with, um, working on a paper for seminary and I was trying to find the last week of Christ from all four gospels Mm -hmm. in one chart. Like I didn't want to flip back and forth. So I Googled that and the entire first page of results were Mormon. And because I knew a little bit of SEO, I knew that that was intentional. That Mm -hmm. wasn't just an accident. Mm -hmm. And so I started researching how the Mormons were doing that and um, found out that, that the Mormons were ranking not just for theological terms, but for uh, regular everyday terms that like uh, what to do if you don't know anybody in your area Mm -hmm. or what to do on a Friday night uh, or how to meet people. Mm. And we're pulling people into their community through SEO. It's so so savvy. I mean, that was... Yeah, it was extremely sad. So much yeah. so that Forbes and everybody else was doing articles on how your business should be doing SEO like mm-hmm. the Mormon church is doing wow. SEO. Wow. And I was like, wait a minute, why aren't <laughs> we doing this? Exactly. <laughs> and then I started talking to pastors about how to do SEO and found out, oh, that's why we're not doing it. Because we have no they're, idea. <laughs> they're, not, <laughs> they're not interested. Um, and so for the next several years, I worked um, independent, just kind of mm-hmm. doing consulting for SEO and digital marketing and uh, working primarily with churches, but with some secular businesses as well, e-commerce, that kind mm-hmm. of thing, and found that the secular, secular world was extremely open to this. Right. And the church world just smiled and nodded. Mm. And um, so live streaming and all that stuff, trying to push for that. And because like the world of church digital communications and and what I call church digital evangelization is so small, um, you kind of know everybody in it. And Jay Crando, one of my buddies from oh, yeah. Viola and, and Talbot. Saddleback's uh, online was, guy, yeah. Was part of that, yeah. And so we would stay connected off and on throughout the years. And um, eventually I started working with an agency and from an agency, I started working with HarperCollins Christian Publishing. And so they oversee, like they own Zondervan and Thomas Nelson and and a bunch of others. And um, I oversaw the marketing for Spanish language Bibles. See, there's your Spanish coming right back in. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. They have an imprint called... Uh, Vida. Mm-hmm. They have two two Spanish language imprints, Vida and Grupo Nelson, which is just the Spanish version of Thomas Nelson. Vida is kind of sort of the Spanish version of Zondervan, um, but they merged all the Bibles under that. And then they also distribute for a publisher in Spain called Clie, which is kind of the big academic publisher uh, in Spanish. So there's, I mean, big for that right, niche, but right. they're still super small. <laughs> so you're doing this online um, kind of really cutting, more cutting edge stuff as cutting edge for the church anyway. And then you're doing yeah. like old fashioned book, Bible. <laughs> well, the book and Bible thing, the, the, they hired me for my digital marketing I see. Uh, and hired me for SEO stuff, honestly. Mm. And um, I got on and then because it's a giant corporation, you kind of get pushed into the mold of doing things the old way anyways. And then COVID hit. And then all of a sudden everything was in my wheelhouse. Like the 
Like You became really valuable like, really fast. I became extremely <laughs> valuable really fast. So much so that that March, every church I'd worked with over the past 10 years, like called me up yeah. and wanted to figure out how to go on. Right. They more. wished they wished and, um, they had listened to you earlier. How many times did you want to say, I told you so, but didn't actually say it because you're a godly man? <laughs> Honestly, I was too exhausted. Like I, I would work with them. I don't think I slept at all last March. Like the it was I made good money in March and was totally <laughs> burnt out by April. Um but it was yeah, it was like stretched really thin and it felt like really vital at yeah, the time really because important. all these churches like really had no clue what to do. And um and most of them I'd had some relationship with and cared about. Mm. And so it was it was a little bit of a stressful time, but <clears throat> during my time at HarperCollins we also got to launch a new Spanish language translation, Bible translation. Mm -hmm. And that's like the highlight of of my life, one of the things I'll be most proud of. Uh, it's done by the owned by the same uh translation committee that does the New American Standard, the oh, NASB. Okay. Um but it's the like kind of the Spanish equivalent of that. It of sounds that. like such a great gig. So what made you want to hop on and be part of the network? So it can't be because you um, wanted to try to buy a house in um, Southern California. <laughs> that would not be a, a no, I mean, you're leaving Nashville, yeah. which basically everybody in California seems to be moving either to Nashville or um, or Austin. That seems to be where people are headed. So you're coming the opposite direction. Yeah. So kudos to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it uh, financially was not the wisest move I've done, but um, two reasons. Number one is I had been kind of feeling a call to get back into ministry, mm -hmm. and I had mentioned that to Jay, uh, Jay Cranda. Mm -hmm. And so a couple of weeks later, Jay says, oh, we have a spot opening up at Saddleback with a ministry called Small Group Network. Are you interested in knowing more about it? And I said, yeah, because I didn't know anything about it. So, you know. <laughs> Have you not seen like, our, you know, SEOs? Is this not showing up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so uh, about half an hour after I told Jay, like, yeah, I'd, I'll know a little bit. I'd like to know a little bit more about it. Um, I was basically on the phone in an interview with Steve Gladen. So um, <laughs> that's it, how, that's how Steve rolls. Get used to it. He rolls yeah. fast. <laughs> yeah. So um, it it really was kind of a, a ministry decision, mm. and uh, but primarily the biggest reason is because I believe that the small group network um, and the network model is the future of the church. Mm. Say more uh, about as that. Denomination, yeah. As denominations decline and all of that, uh, we are congregating in what I call affinity groups. Mm -hmm. And that's not an actual term. That's just something I made up. So no, we all use that term. You didn't make it up, actually, James. It, okay. That's a common term in small group. We have affinity groups, <laughs> which basically means yeah. you know age and stage or similar interests. Yeah, and um, so I had been involved in a church communications group on Facebook, mm -hmm. and it has like thirty thousand people in it, and is like a great play. It's been perfect for all those churches who are going through that COVID mm -hmm. transition to going online. Um, and I saw the impact of that. And um, as denominations decline, that's going to be replaced by something. Mm 
Yeah. And I believe it's going to be replaced by networks like small group network. So here I am like presented with the opportunity to be a part of the future of the church. And how can I turn that down? Uh, it's a Henry Blackaby quote, like, go where God is moving. And and so that's why I'm here. Oh, that's awesome. The most impactful time a small group was in my life uh, was um, my wife and I were expecting our first baby and found out early on that she had a condition called anencephaly. Yeah. It's kind of like a severe form of spina bifida. No. And it meant she would only live for maybe minutes or days, right. um, but it was definitely not a long-term thing. It wasn't something we were going to pull through. And so being a part of a small group when you're going through something like that uh, made a huge, a huge impact on my life. That was also my last semester of seminary. Mm. Uh, she was actually born on our graduation day. So oh. I skipped graduation <laughs> to oh, be I'm so sorry. at that. Wow. Yeah, and um, but it really was such a, a, I mean, it was the worst day and the best day of my life. Mm-hmm. And um, like we got notes and and video chats from because I was the missions director at our church, like from people all over the world. Mm-hmm. And um, because I was a little bit digital, even then, like I had just been kind of sharing some of this mm-hmm. online and. And all of that. So just having people like kind of share and and be a part of a community during such an impactful time to me, like kind of proved early on that like digital and physical are kind of intertwined. It's not one or the other, it's both. And and so we were in California at the time. We had planned on having the baby in Ohio, but my wife went into labor early. Uh, like a week early. Um, and so all those plans, I mean, yeah. I don't know why we planned on trying to travel to have a baby anyway. That's crazy. But um, yeah, so just being a part of our small group and and having them present yeah. uh, was good. And it, it taught me a lot about helping people through grief and mm-hmm. through coping with challenges. Um, so many times I found out that during the loss of a child, uh, a significant percentage of couples divorce yes. through that. And for us, we had kind of the opposite experience. Mm-hmm. We very much leaned on each other and on our church. Mm-hmm. And and um, I can't possibly imagine going through something like that alone or feeling right. alone, even if you aren't. And uh, yeah, so to me, that's that's the ultimate value of small groups. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. I'm so sorry for your loss. Um, it reminds me when I interviewed uh, Kay Warren years ago uh, after the death of her son, um, and she talked about how Rick and and she was um, their life. Their small group was kind of their lifeline, and she talked about going through um, Matthew's death and just all the aftermath and the media, and it was just so horrible and tragic and just a ringer that, um, that the group just cared for them and showed up. And, and, um, it was, it's like the worst of times you're right. And I'm so glad that there was a community, um, for you. And, and just cause people are pastors or a ministry does not exempt them from, you know, these, these, um, horribly difficult things. Um, and I think sometimes people try to kind of soldier on alone, um, especially if they're in ministry, because they feel like they need to kind of suck it up and say all the right things. But my gosh, I mean, you're you're in terrible pain. So it's good to allow people to 
um, to help you along. And this isn't a plug for the network, but um, I know recently, so I was talking to Steve about how we wanted to grow our care um um, our care pastors within the network, which we have on our website. So we have a couple new ones too, so that if, um, you know, if our listeners are dealing with something that's really difficult, and sometimes it's a lot easier to talk to somebody outside of our ministry environment because, you know, church world can get kind of challenging with that, um, that, you know, you're welcome to call them. They volunteered for for wanting to do this, wanting to serve and shepherd and and pray and care for our um for our small group point people. So I hope you take advantage of that. It's, I don't think we talk about it a whole lot, but it's, it's there. Um, just, you know. Yeah. And I'll just to second that, um, at the time my wife was working at Starbucks and they had great insurance, mm. which was good because I was part-time at a church and independent otherwise. And, and the insurance covered her going to a counselor mm. afterwards okay. too. And that, that, was very helpful. So I highly recommend going to counselors, uh, nothing wrong with mm-hmm. the tune up, uh, you know, and, and just reaching out. And honestly, I think the, the reason so many marriages do fail is because a lot of times our instinct is to push people away. Yeah. And I think the value of a small group is that they're going to be the people who say no I'm still going to be here. Hopefully, yeah. If if the group is healthy and flourishing and really living out the one another's, hopefully they'll say, "Yeah, you you can't push me away. Um, you will, you know, we'll we're going to be here whether you want us here or not." Because you know, in their yeah. hearts, I mean, it's the whole thing. We're American culture is so independent, individualistic, right? So it's just this whole like, I need to do this. Like this makes me strong. And and I think to be able to ask for help actually takes more courage. Um, and that's why that piece of it, especially with COVID, it's, it, it's really exacerbated it. I just read recently, James, a statistic about how many pastors want to quit <laughs> or have quit in the last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see that too at the network too, and we get calls. And, and so I just want to say, you know, if you, this is what people can talk about in their huddles. This is where somebody else, another smaller per- point person knows what you're going through and what we've all been through this last year and, and plus. So I think to find support when you need it before you burn out or um, shut down or your marriage takes a hit is really important individualism is the opposite of Ephesians. Like Mm -hmm. Ephesians says that Christ offered us the gospel to unite us. Yes. And if you're individualistic, that's the opposite of the gospel. Hey, Small Group Network family, Jason Bamsoff here, Group Talk producer, and I am interrupting here to there to talk to you about some great resources that we have specially for you. Have you read any of our great blog articles yet? We are always producing new blog articles to help you and your small group ministry. Here are a few great ones for you to check out. Six sermon-based small group discussion tips using Facebook groups by Jackie Van Hook. How I Whiffed on the Pandemic by our new pastor of development, James Browning. And a prescription for encouraging your small group by Reed Smith. Go to smallgroupnetwork.com forward slash resources to find those and many more. Now back to here to there with Carolyn Takeda. Uh, so tell me, when you look at the network, and I know you're brand, you're fairly new into it now, like I don't know how many days <laughs> Yeah, I'm, days I'm in. like uh, two full weeks now. Okay, so you're a pro. <laughs> 14 days in, you're a pro. Yeah. Uh, we, we like to kind of put you in the deep end fast. But uh, what's your sense of the vision for um, the network from your seat on the bus as our development has, as the one overseeing everything um, that Steve dreams up, but you get to also dream up stuff. 
Yeah. So I'm extremely, my biggest thing, uh, number one is y'all have something really valuable and really precious. And like I said, I'd never heard about it till Jay brought it up to me. So number one is we've got something valuable and free. Let's get that out there. I, mm. uh, so just let people know about it. Number two is to create greater value for each member of the community. Hmm. And right now, um, every every brand, every church or whatever is is functionally divided into two groups, your audience and your community. Your audience oh, are the, the people same? you're talking to. Yeah. Isn't that- it's not the same. Oh. No, the audience are the people you're talking to. The community are the people you're talking with. Okay, so like in a podcast, like our listeners, is this their audience, obviously, because they're listening, but they're also our community because they're also the... The community are the ones who are engaging with it, who are sharing it, who are Ah, like writing you emails or talking back. The community will always be smaller than the audience. So if they, that's fine. So if they, if our podcast audience were to, um, you know, uh, were to rate it and drop a comment in or do something with it, then they would move from audience to community. Yeah. Okay. Let's do that. Okay, everyone listening, let's do that. <laughs> let's move. Yeah, and so one of the like, just so you know, training people to show that they care about something by engaging with it is tough. Mm. Um, you genuinely, genuinely, without exaggeration, if you want to grow your church, the number one thing every member of the church should do is rate their church on Google reviews. We never even looked ra- at Google reviews. The- Oh my gosh. It raises the church in Google Maps. It brings them up in higher in Google wow. SEO. Uh, people are care about reviews. If they see a church that has like a thousand five-star reviews, they're going to be like, wow, something's going on at that church. Take a picture, show the ch- show the picture. I took a picture of our church. I was walking in one Sunday morning, took a picture of the entrance, put it up on Google reviews. Uh, within three months, it had uh, 15,000 views. Oh my goodness. It was just a picture and of the church. <laughs> wow. It was just a picture of the entrance of the church. Wow. Um, because people will ask Google anything, mm. anything that they're afraid to ask anyone else. You ask someone what church they go to or whatever, you're like, oh, great, here I go. I'm going right. to get like a, a lot of thoughts on politics and religion and right. everything else. You ask Google because you know Google doesn't care what crazy thing you think. So are you thinking then with the network to, to expand both the audience and the community? Yes. Um, the I plan on expanding the audience and uh, deepening the community. Oh, I like that. Uh, the community is what's really valuable. The audience is there just to read an article and peace out. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're just there to say like, okay, you know, I'm gonna r- listen to this uh, how to coach somebody podcast because I've got that specific issue and then I'm on my way. Mm-hmm. The community is where the real value is. That's like, our Facebook. Yeah, group. I want to help someone. That's our Facebook yeah. group, right? Where they're interacting, exactly. asking questions, and then people yeah. are chiming in their suggestions and recommendations. Exactly. And so on the Facebook group, um, I my second day in, I did analytics on what the top posts were over the past month. Yeah, what are they? Um, so they were all questions. There were not one announcement or anything yeah, else yeah. like that was in the top uh, – Post and they were all 
questions or asking for recommendations. So we used to joke about how the tough thing years ago used to always be, what do you do about childcare? Like that was like the go-to question and that we were so tired of answering over and over. And now that you can search for discussion in the thread, we didn't have to keep answering that question. (coughs) And, but the re-answering the easy questions is also valuable to the community Hmm. because someone comes to ask a question and they stay when they realize that they can answer a question. Oh, interesting. And so okay. people feel so they can more contribute when they can contribute. Which is the same as small groups. And people feel more bought exactly. in um, when they have some sense of ownership and they can serve and, and use their talents in some way. Yeah. So, I mean, the small group network has a lot of a lot of people coming who are first-time small yes, group pastors yes. or leaders or them, whatever. Yeah. Um, so once you get the basics answered or answered as best as you're going to get, like what then? Then you get to help other people who are in the right. same position you were right. a year ago. Which and that's a beautiful kind of giving back. So that's interesting. So that distinction, it's interesting with churches with COVID is we've been talking about the viewers, right, on the stream that way whether it's synchronous or asynchronous um, versus the the actual person who watches the whole thing and actually shares it or does something. I think that distinction is just helpful. So for our listeners, if you're hanging out with you know your senior leader and you can just drop in there, well, is that the audience or the community? And they'll think you're brilliant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I will also say a key part of our community and and one of the most valuable aspects of, of SGN's community are huddles. Yes, for sure. Um, so getting that connection, getting um, someone that can check in on you. I If you are just part of our Facebook group, no one's going to keep you accountable. Mm-hmm. You could be teaching heresy or like <laughs> sabotaging your church or whatever. <laughs> but if you're in a huddle... Uh, that's where you can have that iron sharpening iron experience. Yeah. And we used to make huddles all, um, cause SGM was started back, you know, 10 plus years ago, we used to make them all f- geographic. Um, it was a little more old school. So we wanted to kind of see people, but since COVID we've seen a lot more online ones and, um, I have a, a geographic huddle, um, in my County with uh, a handful of local small group pastors, but I also have a a text and online one with um, four guys from all different states, and we've we've just been friends for a long time. All different churches, uh, size churches, different denominations, and if there's a thorny issue or we just need prayer, in um, someone recently had a job issue, um, then we'll just check in and do that. So I think the online piece it, it feels just as supportive. Um, and it's a lot easier mm-hmm. in terms of scheduling um, than doing the in-person one. So I think we probably will see more of the online one start up, I'm guessing. Yeah, I think so too. I think um, the affinity group is one way, one tie that binds people and geography is another. And having both can make it extra strong. But like in my own group of friends, like I texted a friend of mine this morning from the Dominican Republic, uh, WhatsApp to another friend this week in Brazil and talked to my family in Ohio and I'm getting ready to move from Nashville to Southern California. Woo-hoo. I mentioned this earlier, like I had to uh, update my outlook to have both time zones because I was getting confused with all my different meetings. But yeah, so... Digital is one aspect of 
relationships. And it's a valuable aspect that shouldn't be just totally tossed aside. It's not physical or digital. It's both. Yeah. So I, so as you look towards the future, I know there's a lot of little things you want to work on. I know you have a big, long punch list of stuff you'd like to tackle. <laughs> um, but if you just would let us in on maybe one or two things that um, you think are, are either weaknesses or areas for potential growth um, faster. Um, yeah, just kind of share what you're looking, what you're pl- hoping to work on, you know, just out of the gate. And then maybe in a year from now, what, how, how you'd like to see the network so, look. Yeah, I don't want to um, make too many promises that people are going <laughs> to check up on me again <laughs> in the next, next uh, week or so. But a um, couple of things off the bat that I'm going to be working on is our newsletter. Uh, you and I talked about this a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, our newsletter is like, right now it's kind of like the community bulletin board at Starbucks. Yes. Uh, <laughs> with it, with but, as much finesse, right? With the whole, there's so much on there. There's yeah. a lot of good content, but there's a lot. Yeah. So we have a lot of good t- content. So we need to go shift um, from just content creation to that, but primarily curation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a lot of great content. We've got a, we just need to package it in a way that that makes sense to people, yeah. Um, but also to make it more shareable. Mm, uh, if we want to grow the network, we need to make things more shareable. And so, the newsletter uh, coming soon is going to be radically different. Oh, I'm excited! Eventually, <laughs> um, as we're building that out, it's going to be have a referral program. So, if you get other people to sign up, you get stuff. Uh, we'll <laughs> probably hook coffee. You up. I'm guessing. <laughs> Maybe. Well, uh, uh, coffee, books. Uh, I still have my connections at HarperCollins, nice. so we're going to be giving away a lot okay, of books. Okay, we're going to be best friends because um, books is my love language. So I'm already perfect. I'm already sold on you, James. That's really all you need to say. You had me at HarperCollins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the, and I've got some connections with Lifeway, and we already have a, SGN, we have a great already connection has a partnership with Lifeway. With Lifeway. Yeah. yeah, so um turns out marketers love large newsletters Hmm. and giving away podcasts, so giving away books on that because they are hustling to try to find how to connect to pastors, and we've got a lot of pastors. That's great. And plus Um, the international piece. I know you're excited about that, especially um, this Latin America. I literally have cases of Bibles and books here on my desk that I will be giving away, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later, because I don't want to have to move them cross country. <laughs> um, send them to Steve. Spanish, send them to so. Steve's house. I think he'd enjoy having oh, them yeah. in his garage. Yeah, he's gonna love having like a couple of bookshelves worth of Spanish books in his garage. He's gonna be so fluent just from reading the Bible in Spanish. You know, his books are already translated in Spanish, so it's that was the yeah. second language his books are or translated in. So, yeah. so it's it's all good. <laughs> yeah. So uh, sign up for the newsletter um, because it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be good and getting great over the next mm-hmm. uh, couple months. And, and they can um, do that just on the website, right? Yeah, they can do that on the website. We're going to make uh, some changes to the website. Again, there's a ton of great content there, mm-hmm. uh, but it, as it's grown, and this is true of every website that grows rapidly, uh, you have to restructure it to make it easy to get to that content. Yeah. So we're going to be working on that. Um, and plus, I mean, as COVID winds down, uh, we're going to wind up uh, in-person groups and and go out there and get to meet people and do fun and cool things. Um, I really do think, uh, I mentioned this in the email, I think uh, SGN is going to be kind of a launching platform, excuse me, for a lot of people. 
And I, so I'd love to see like 10 years from now, like a whole bunch of authors that came out of SGN and a whole bunch of public speakers and, and new groups, methods, methodology and Mm -hmm. small groups, classes and seminaries and colleges and all that, that came out of the network. Nice. Yeah. I'd love to see that too. That's really cool. Um, Well, James, thank you so much for your time and it's just fun just to not just to hear your story, but also kind of noodle around the different um, different dreams uh, of what could yeah. be. And because you so um, are such a digital native and understand that space really well, um, and that's the world in which, especially post COVID, where we live. So we look forward to all those things. And if people want to reach you so they can, you know, give you unsolicited uh, feedback or criticism <laughs> or any number of things, um, we're, we're all pastor types, so we're kind, but have opinions. <laughs> so what's the best yeah, way? Yeah, right. I am a digital native. I've seen pastors online. I know how that goes. <laughs> no, um, probably email would be the best way, uh, James at smallgroupnetwork.com. Uh, I am on most other things. I don't post on TikTok, but I am an avid TikTok watcher. Um, I think our average age I, is a bit older than TikTok. <laughs> uh, that's what you think, but I got my small group into TikTok and now there are all these retirees like Seriously? watching TikTok. Oh, yeah. Gosh. So are you on, do you watch TikTok at all? Only when my daughter's home and she shows me stuff. She's learned all of her life skills. During COVID on TikTok. Yeah. So, and then she shares yeah. them with me. She's like, Mom, do you know how to peel garlic? Here, here's a video for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, TikTok, is, their superpower, the one thing that they do well that makes it hard for everyone to, else to copy, is the algorithm really learns you and what you you're want, interested right, in. Right. So, the, the knock that everyone gives TikTok is that it's a bunch of teenagers dancing, but you spend like, 30 minutes on it and it's got you nailed down. That's a bit and scary. Just I, I have to say, I, that's, I'm a Gen X, but that's a little scary. <laughs> yeah, it is. But it, it's nice to know somewhere out there, someone at TikTok headquarters cares about me and what I'm interested in. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I guess that's a good reframing. Well, they can reach you um, on Small Network. And I know you've already popped up on our Facebook page and you're starting to. Um, to be more involved there. So people could probably drop you a message um, on Facebook. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I try to, I try to, so I am not a small group pastor. Um, I am a digital missionary, (laughs) Um, but I, and I have small group experience, but a lot of what I do on there is asking those Mm -hmm. questions. I'm looking for the experts in the network to tell me what's up and, uh, figure out where we go from there, but also to build friends and relationships. So yeah. if you just want to drop me, drop me a GIF in the comments, that's perfect too. That's, that's my love language. GIF is your love language. Okay. Yeah. You are a digital native. Okay. <laughs> good, to, good to know. Well, James, this was so fun. Thank you so much. I, I'm so glad um, and excited that Steve found you or Jay, I guess. Does Jay get a big commission off of this? I, I don't even. I you, that's between Jay and Steve. Uh, he does not get a commission from me. You, not from you. you. All right, all right. Well, maybe he'll yeah, he'll get. I'm gonna, um, probably going to have to live at Jay's house until I can afford a grown up place. <laughs> yeah. So California. good luck. I'm finding a place, but you will love it. Derek joined us from Alaska, so he was really enjoying Southern California uh, weather for a few oh, years yeah. when he was down here. Um, so now he's. No, in, I can't move that far north. That's too cold for me. Well, now too he's in Seattle, gray. so it's not as 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 cold, but. Um, Yes. All right. Well, uh, 
Thank you so much. We want to, I know we're going to hear more from you um, going forward and you'll be staying in touch with the, with all the different changes we're looking forward to seeing along the way and how um, we can be more useful and helpful for our audience and our community. See, I learned something. Now it's, it's both. Um, that was a helpful mm-hmm. distinction. So thank you for that. So thank you all for listening to here and there. And until next time, remember we are better together. Thank you for listening to Group Talk. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast through iTunes and get new episodes downloaded automatically. Also, if you enjoy this program, please take a few minutes to give us a positive rating on iTunes so that other small group point people can find us more easily. We encourage you to visit our website, smallgroupnetwork.com, to access our library of free resources, connect to a huddle with other small group ministry leaders in your area, read our blog articles, or join us on our Facebook group. Don't forget to use the hashtag SGNet when engaging with your social media channels. Thank you for your support.